Now, monetizing on the back end means monetizing the relationship between you and your guest, okay? So making money from the relationship that exists between you, the podcaster, and uh, your podcast guests. Hello everyone, and welcome to the CEO Journals podcast. Today I have the pleasure of talking to Apple Crider. For those of you who don't know, Apple is the host of the top 100 business podcast, Young Smart Money, where he interviews six, seven, and even eight figure entrepreneurs. In this episode, we're going to discuss all things podcasting. This includes how to actually start your podcast with regards to hosting platforms, equipment, and editing software, how to actually land guests, how then to market your podcast to get it into that all-important top 100, and then we even talk about monetizing your podcast without having to include advertisements. So without further ado, let's dive straight into today's episode. Enjoy. So hello everyone, welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. Today on the show, fresh from Lollapalooza, we have Apple Crider. How are you doing? (laughs) Ethan, I'm doing great, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. So just for the listeners that don't know, if you just want to give us a 60 second introduction of who you are and what you do. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm sure most of you guys have no idea who I am. So um, for all of y'all out there, uh, my name is Apple Kreider. Sounds like Apple Cider. Most people get it confused and they try to read it. Um, But basically what I do is I have a podcast called Young Smart Money, where I interview successful six, seven, eight, nine, and even sometimes 10 figure entrepreneurs on uh, how they got to where they're at and um, some actionable tips and takeaways. And um, I've got about 200 interviews under my belt at this point, putting one out every single day. And uh, that's, that's basically what I'm doing. I've, I've turned that into a six-figure income stream for myself. And now I teach other people how to do the same thing with their podcasts. So um, podcasting is my thing. And that's, that's what I do. Absolutely killing it. And obviously something I aspire to be like, <laughs> starting on my podcast, obviously really want to dive into what you do and how you scaled that to what you do. Yeah. Not only will it be a takeaway for me, but obviously for those listeners that are thinking about starting a podcast or have started their own already. Um, I just want to obviously start the show by throwing it back to your childhood. Obviously, you haven't always been that guy with the top 100 business podcast. So (laughs) where do you come from? Yeah, so uh, my my childhood... um, pretty pretty standard honestly growing up um inner city um us um grew up in the midwest and um nothing nothing too special honestly i mean didn't come from a particularly rough background didn't come from a particularly affluent background kind of just middle of the road um my dad's a computer programmer my mom started her own business public speaking um and and that's basically where i come from i mean throughout um, middle school, high school. I was always, I was always the kid that like didn't have to try very hard in school to get an A. Um, the teachers kind of liked me. I just kind of like kept my head down, did my work and whatnot. And then um, in high school, I got introduced to the world of entrepreneurship through some not super legal things that I was doing. Um, call myself a, a street pharmacist at that age. Um, was was doing some stuff that I probably shouldn't have been doing. Definitely shouldn't have been doing. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really until college that I I got into like legitimate entrepreneurship and like starting a business that that wasn't under the table and, and wasn't selling illicit substances to to young people so that's that's basically that's that's my intro right there <laughs> no that's obviously 
unlike many of the other people you listen to on podcasts, um, you're not a dropout, are you? you no. Have you just finished? Have you just finished? Have you graduated now? No. So I've got one semester left. So actually, in high school, uh, like I said, I was I was the kid that that got good grades without trying. So I actually started taking college classes my junior year of high school. So I graduated high school with a year and a half of college already under my belt. So. Um, I've been I've been at university for two years now. I've got one semester left, and then I'm finishing my four year degree in two and a half years. So um, I decided to stick with it. I, at first, when I first got to school, I was really seriously considering dropping out. But at that point in time, I my, my parents kind of told me that that was a really stupid idea because I didn't have I hadn't done anything yet. I just kind of had some ideas in my head. This was before I started my podcast. Before I started really anything, I was just kind of like, eh. I don't really like this school thing, so I'm gonna drop out. My parents were like, well, what are you gonna do? And I'm like, I don't know, I heard about this thing called entrepreneurship, so I think I'll try that. And they're like, you come back to us with a plan and we can talk, but like until then, like <laughs> you're going to school. So I'm like, all right, maybe I should have a plan first. So after that, after I kind of figured out that I was, I was kind of just being stupid um, and, and that I didn't really have anything established, I was like, well, I better like go do something so that I, I can potentially drop out if that's what I actually want to do. So started pursuing uh, the first thing that I actually did was I started a YouTube channel and it wasn't really to make money. It was kind of just a creative outlet because um, I'm really passionate about personal finance. So um, other than podcasting, like I can talk personal finance all day, all night. Um, I can talk to you about credit cards, building credit, um, investing, man, I could, I could talk all day about that kind of stuff too. So that's my, that's one of my passions. And so I started making YouTube videos, basically just like telling other people about what I was doing when it comes to personal finance, because I was trying to talk to my friends about it. And they were like, dude, I don't, I don't care about investing, man. I'm 18 years old. Like, what do I need to care about that for? So I didn't really have anybody to talk to it about. So I kind of just wanted to, to put the information out there and like talk about it. So I started a YouTube channel again, wasn't really to make money. Um, but I was just rolling with that for a while. And then eventually I, that kind of exposed me to the world of sort of like make money online and, and, and social media businesses, um, which led me down the, the Instagram rabbit hole, um, learning how to grow pages, manage pages for influencers. And that was kind of the, the first kind of real business I started. Actually, prior to the YouTube channel, I was dabbling in Amazon FBA. Um, but, I, but I pretty quickly realized that I wasn't going to be adding any value to anyone's life. Um, how, did, be, how did that go? How did it, that go? It, oh, terribly, man, terribly. So <laughs> what I was going to do, this, this genius idea that I had, well, I, I did all the steps, man. I followed, I think I followed Tanner J. Fox was the guy who I was like studying and yeah. learning from. So I followed all his steps. And then the product that I landed on was a USB adapter for like a Mac so that they could like plug into an HDMI port. And, and I got, I got all this way, man. I still have like the samples that I got with like my logo on them. And it was like, it was all ready to go. I was going to get the shipment sent in. All I had to do was press go. And then I, I took a step back and I was like, what am I doing? Like me manufacturing a USB adapter with my logo on it literally provides no value to anyone. There's already thousands of people selling this exact same thing. All I'm doing is making it, slapping my logo on it, selling it for 50 cents cheaper. Like, what is the point of that? All I'm doing is like siphoning some value out of this market that already exists. I'm not helping anyone. I'm not providing a solution. So I just kind of figured like, I'm not gonna be able to stick with this thing long-term just because like in my head, I, I can't really justify what I'm doing. Because uh, I just wasn't really, I wasn't solving a problem. So I was just, it, it, it didn't really click for me. So that's kind of why I pivoted to YouTube and just like, 
I figured I didn't really need to be making money. I, I kind of just wanted to do something that I would enjoy. So that's kind of why I got into YouTube, got out of Amazon, then got into Instagram. Um, and then with Instagram, I built a, a decent sized business. I mean, for a college student, I was making somewhere around like $5,000 a month, managing some accounts for some influencers um, and growing some accounts myself. So that was the first kind of real business I got into. And then from there, I got introduced into podcasting. Um, and then and then we got to where we're at today. The rest was history. There we go. Um, so I want to throw it back to your original podcast because you leave them yeah. all there. You oh, yeah. Deleted any. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> no. I, obviously, this is one of my first ones. I'm probably going to look back at this and think, oh, God, what the hell is that? How... How did you, when did you first realize that rather than, cause you did solo episodes to begin yeah. with. When did you first think, right, I am going to interview people. I'm going to interview other entrepreneurs. What gave you that spark? Yeah. So it's a funny story because I actually got started podcasting because I was interviewed at, on my college's radio station. They heard that I was making some money, managing some Instagram pages. And they're like, this is a cool, cool story about this college kid who's like hustling making stuff happen. Let's pull them on the radio. So they pulled me on the radio. I'd never done an interview before. So I was kind of freaking out, but I really enjoyed the interview. And I liked the format of just like sitting down with someone, having a conversation, all that good stuff. So that's actually what inspired me to start my podcast was being interviewed. Now, the reason I'm still not quite sure why I decided to start with solo episodes, because the reason I started was to do interviews. But I'm pretty sure like thinking back, because that was like almost two years ago now, I think why I did that was because I didn't really have any connections and I wasn't really sure how to make connections because that was before I'd gone to any events, before I'd started really using Instagram to network, I was kind of just using it to grow pages. So I hadn't really started networking and I didn't really have connections to, to the kind of people that I would want to interview on my show. So that's kind of why I just decided to do solo episodes at first. At first, it was kind of just an extension of my YouTube channel. I was kind of just like re reposting videos on there. I would do some episodes where I'd talk about personal finance. Um, but it wasn't really until I went to my first event that I started meeting people that I could actually interview. Um, and then from there, I sort of had that, that base of connections that I could then leverage to, to keep finding better and better people to interview. So that's, that's kind of why I started with solo episodes because I, I didn't really realize how easy it was to connect with people um, through social media. And I, I didn't know anyone in person because I hadn't gone to any events yet. So I just, I just kind of started doing what I could do. Um, and then from there, I found out how easy it was to actually connect with people online. Yeah, I've very quickly figured that. Obviously, yeah. I had no one. I knew no one before yeah. I started even just reaching out to people. So for the listeners, I reached out to Apple for a video message or a DM through Instagram, um, which obviously you're a huge advocate of. Oh, yes. All the time in your podcast. It's a great <laughs> way. And I, I sent... 20 dms which isn't a lot i didn't have much time that day it's not an excuse but I, did, <laughs> I just sent out 20 dms i got 10 responses within the first hour easily man easily which was, i was i was shocked i didn't think obviously you said it was easy but i didn't realize <laughs> when i actually did it um so these people these were people that these people have 80k plus followers that i didn't yeah. even think had the time of day to just respond to me but even if it was just a simple voice message back saying look right now i'm busy but a couple of months back come check back with me and then obviously others got some really cool guests lined up um who just said yeah let's do it let's jump on next week the week after and let's go so other than video dms which obviously clearly work and all mm -hmm. other podcasters out there who want to get interview, interview guests on their show definitely do it couldn't recommend it more 
how else do you reach out to influencers? I mean, my motto is, dude, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So mostly what I do is video DMs. Um, I will, I do go to events pretty, I mean, kind of frequently. I'd say every every few months I'll go, I'll go to a big event. I went to the ClickFunnels event. Um, I, I, I speak at a few events here and there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much just video DMs and, and in-person stuff. Um, there's not really that much else to it. I mean, it's, again, it seems simple, but, but like, like you said, man, like you try it and it just works so much better than people expect. So that's, that's my main thing, man, just keeping it personal and, and just doing the opposite of what everyone else does. I mean, when I see everyone else going in one direction, I'm going to go in the other direction because I I don't want to get the results that everyone else is getting. Um, Most people don't get responded to most people's DMS get deleted. So I'm going to go the opposite route that everyone else is going. I'm not going to copy and paste messages, send them to 50 people. I'm going to send a personalized video message to every single person because I know that's what's going to work. Even if it takes me an extra 15 seconds a person, which is literally no time at all. I don't know why people aren't willing to do that, but like pulling out my phone for 15 seconds to get an interview with somebody with potentially over a million followers is like, I mean, just, it just, it's just stupid not to, you know? And like, for example, to listeners as well, my page that I was messaged Apple across on, it only has 6,000 followers. It, I don't even yeah. have access to swipe up yet. Like <laughs> it's not, it's literally nothing. And I, th- I, you probably would have even responded if I had 200 followers. hundred percent, man. And like I was sending those before I had a thousand, man. And people were still yeah. responding to me. Like it's not it when it comes to Instagram, that's a good point you brought up. It's not about the followers because when people see your messages and there's going to be three things that they're going to look at. Okay. They're going to look at your profile picture. They're going to look at your username and they're going to look at like the first few lines of the message or whatever kind of message preview it has. If it's a video message, it'll say it's a video. If it's a voice, it'll say it's a voice. If it's a text, it'll say the text. Um, but that's what they're going to look at. So you got to optimize those three things because a lot of people do this very, very wrong. I mean, their, their profile picture, you can't even tell what you're looking at. I mean, some people, it looks like a pile of garbage. Like, is, is there a person in there? Like you can't tell who is this person? What are they doing? Um, so having a professionally looking profile picture really, really changes the game. I mean, just, just knowing like when you have a lot of DMS coming in, like that's, that's the first thing you're going to judge it on is like the picture. Okay. Like, what does it look like? Does this person look like someone who's worth your time? Yes or no. Um, and if they don't, it's probably not getting read. If they do, then it's probably getting read and potentially even responded to also your username guys, usernames should be on point, Uh, man. Ideally there are two words, your first name and your last name, like that should be it. Or if it's a brand page, like two words tops. Okay. Don't make it something super long with underscores, periods, a thousand numbers. Like that looks extremely unprofessional. If like, think about this guys, position yourself as someone who is worth their time to talk to. Okay. If you were someone who was worth their time to talk to, what would your profile picture look like? What would your username be? Okay. Would you be wasting their time? Probably not. So make sure that you like put yourself in that perspective of like, okay, I am someone who's worth this person's time. Let's really step into that place. Um, so yeah, again, get your username on point. If you can't get like your first last name, um, do something creative, do like it's Apple. Um, for me, you could do like, um, hello Apple or like hi Apple or something like, just like, just figure it out guys. It's not that complicated. Like, like make sure your first name is in it. And, and that's pretty much it. I mean, keep it two words, maybe three words tops, but no periods, no underscores, no numbers. I mean, it, it, it's simple stuff, but a lot of people just don't even do it. No, couldn't agree more. Like the one that I use for my podcast is just CEO journals. That's it. Yeah. Simple. Nothing else. Perfect. Simple. <laughs> and another thing I did notice as well that I did make recently is the, um, is the profile picture that actually has 
looks like it already has a story on it. Oh yeah, yeah, with the ring. Matching. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think when you're scrolling through DMs, they're the ones that actually stand out as well because it just looks exactly. like they're active. It looks like they're active, even though they may not be. It looks like it just stands out, as you say. Something that stands out, something that's easy to read, something that just doesn't look like a waste of time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So with your show, for a new podcaster, so I sort of did it very quickly. I looked up on Google, watched your videos, equipment mm-hmm. and software. So I'm going to be using Anchor. And okay. I picked up a Blue Yeti microphone, eBay, 50 pounds, which is about 60, 65 dollars. Not bad. Um, Not bad. Second hand, didn't want to go new, didn't, didn't, when you can get things second hand, eBay's great. Yeah. eBay, Gumtree, any of that. <laughs> that's what we use in the UK. Just picked it up. What do you use? I got the same microphone right here that I'm talking into. It's a Blue Yeti. Um, I got it actually from a buddy at, at a conference that I went to. He just like, he, he was going to upgrade. So he just gave it to me. And I'm like, all right, perfect. Secondhand microphone. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, Blue Yeti. I mean, I record all my interviews. If they're virtual interviews like this, I'll use Zoom. Um, and that's, that's a free program. It has built-in recording functionality. It's pretty much like Skype, um, but it has a record button, which is great. And if I'm doing anything in person or if I'm doing any solo episodes, I'm using Audacity to record that. Again, it's a totally free program, super simple to use. You literally press record and you're off to the races. Um, so those are the things that I used to record and then distribute. I'm also on Anchor. Um, so I just put my stuff on there. Again, distributes it to, to like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, like 10 different places. It's awesome. Um, requires no effort for me whatsoever, which is, which is my only criteria. So, and it's free. So you, you really can't get any better than that. So, I mean, guys, like that's, that's the software and the equipment. So like that's half your excuses out the window. So like, I mean, once you got that and like, yeah, literally like buy, buy this mic secondhand for like, like, like you said, man, 60 so dollars, like that's not, that's not that big of an investment at all. And that's your only investment. (laughs) Exactly. Also, you need, I had the laptop. Had this, had the software, edit on GarageBand. Yeah, and just go. I just thought, yeah, why not start? What's my excuse? Exactly. What's the worst that can happen. Exactly, man. The worst thing that can happen is nobody listens, and then you just have to figure out something else. You just figure out how to market it differently. You figure out how to how to get bigger guests, or you figure out like like that's the worst thing that can happen is nobody listens, and then you just pivot. Like you you literally you lose nothing by starting except for except for a little bit of your time. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, you're going to learn so much more just doing that anyway. So it's like, it's a no brainer. So that feeds perfectly into my next question is how (laughs) did you market your podcast? Cause your podcast blew up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. It was, I think you mentioned saying it took like three, four months to get into the top 100. Oh, so yeah. So, all right. So full, full story here. First three, four months of my podcast, I was, so like, that time period, that was kind of before I started doing interviews. Um, so it wasn't really going anywhere. Right. I mean, it, it took a while. So I only started taking my podcast seriously beginning of 2019, which as of it's August right now. So that's about eight months ago. So I started taking it seriously about eight months ago. And then, yeah, within like the first two months, so I think like beginning of February um, is when we first hit the top 100. So, um, and, and then, so I started my podcast like way before that. So I started my podcast in like May. Yeah, I think I started in May of 2018. 
Um, so started, yeah. yeah, it started in May of 2018, did not hit top 100 until February of 2019. So that's, I mean, that's a long time, but again, I didn't start taking it seriously till January. That was when I went to the ClickFunnels event. I was like, I met some really amazing people. I'm like, dude, I could really make something out of this because before it had really been on the back burner. My social media marketing had been my primary focus doing Instagram stuff. So in January, that's when I fired all of my social media clients. I went all in on the podcast, even though it wasn't really making me any money yet. I was like, I'm going to make this thing work. I like it a lot more than doing Instagram. So um, Instagram clients, I'm sorry, we're done. <laughs> Podcasting <laughs> is where it's going to be. And the risk paid off. And the risk, it, it paid off, man. I mean, I took a pay cut for the first like month or two. Um, but after that, once I actually figured out how to monetize a podcast and I like get the thing off the ground, it was like night and day. So you don't put advertisements on your podcast at all. Correct. No promotions on the podcast. Never. Tell the listeners how you do monetize. Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of people, man, when I ask, because I have a group of podcasters now, we've got about 300 or so people in this free podcasting mastermind I put together. Um, if y'all want to check that out, www.podcasting.group. Y'all should join. It's free. It's I'm in it. It's Ethan, great. There we go. Ethan knows. Um, so in that group, I, I've asked a lot of people in there. I'm like, man, do you, have you monetized your podcast yet? Because they'll say like, oh, I just hit this many downloads or whatever. I'm like, have you monetized yet? And every time I ask that, the first thing they think is like, no, I haven't put sponsors on my show yet. Or yes, I put sponsors on my show. And like, those are completely different questions because monetizing your show is so much bigger than just having subs or having um, sponsors or not having sponsors. Like there are so many different ways to monetize. So the way I like to split it up is like monetizing on the front end versus monetizing on the back end. And I actually just made an episode on this on my podcast. It's a question that I get asked all the time. So um, I put that out there to be a resource to people. So Front end monetizing, okay? When I say front end monetizing, I'm talking about making money from your listeners, okay? So monetizing that relationship between you and your listener. And I'll give you guys some examples of that in a second. Now, monetizing on the back end means monetizing the relationship between you and your guest, okay? So making money from the relationship that exists between you, the podcaster, and uh, your podcast guests. So um, as far as front end monetizing goes, examples of that, um, would be like sponsorships, having ads on your podcast, doing any kind of affiliate marketing where you're promoting other people's products. Maybe you're promoting your guests' products. Maybe you're promoting products on Amazon. Maybe you're doing some kind of affiliate marketing somewhere. Maybe you're selling stuff to your listeners. Maybe you're selling some kind of like info product, an ebook, um, some kind of like mastermind or something. Um, those would all be examples of front end monetizing because you're making money from your listeners. So with all of those methods, you need a fairly substantial amount of listeners before you can start making any real money. I mean, if you don't have a lot of listeners, sponsors aren't gonna pay you that much money to put an ad on your show because they know they're not gonna reach that many people. If you're trying to sell some kind of product, you're not gonna sell that many because you're not reaching that many people. So with front-end monetizing, you need a big audience to actually be making money. With back-end monetizing, you do not need that audience to be making money because you're making money off of your guest instead of your listeners. So you could have five listeners on your podcast, but you could still be making a decent amount of money if you were able to effectively monetize your guests. So how, how does that work? What are some examples? Well, the, the, the best example is starting some kind of agency. Okay. And uh, when I say agency, all I mean by that is some kind of service based business. Okay. Where you're not selling a product, you're selling a service. So maybe you're selling social media services, maybe you're selling PR services, maybe you're selling podcasting services, some kind of service that you're selling to your guests. So what I do personally is um, I, I sell marketing services to my guests. Specifically, 
I build funnels for people selling info products. So info product, like we said before, when you're selling information, so an ebook, a mastermind, a course, um, these are all examples of, of information products where you're selling information. It's not like a physical, it's not like a physical book. It's not like a physical like dresser or chair, like you're selling information based products. So I help people sell more of their information products by building funnels for them. And the reason that I decided to do that and the reason that that's why or how I decided to monetize my podcast was because I noticed that a lot of the guests that I was having on my podcast were selling information products. I noticed a lot of them were selling courses or masterminds or whatever. And um, I noticed that a lot of them weren't doing it very well because I had this background in, in social media. In, um, I was doing some Facebook ads and I was doing that Instagram stuff too. So I had a bit of experience in the, in the social media landscape, or the social media marketing landscape. So I had this skill set and then I saw this problem. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm getting all these guests on the show. They're selling their info products. They're not, they're not doing it as effectively as they could be though. I mean, they don't have very effective funnels. They're not really running very good Facebook ads. Um, and, and all in all, it looks kind of sloppy. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to try to do some of this work um, and see if I can actually, if I can actually like help someone make more money um, by helping them sell info products. So um, I, I had, I had a bunch of texts at that point through the podcast. So I hit up one of them and um, we decided to put together a revenue split where I was going to help him build a funnel for a course and I was going to get 25% of the money that that course brought in because I wanted to have some skin in the game. I didn't want him to keep paying me up front because I didn't know if I could actually do a good job. So I got some skin in the game. Um, and, and long story short, turns out I could actually do it. Um, I was able to effectively help him sell more of his course, make a decent amount of money in the process. Um, and then from there, I basically just leveraged that case study um, and that relationship because now he was telling other people about what I did for him, referring me more business. Um, and it basically just compounded from there. Once I figured out that I could actually do it, um, then I was able to just go out there and get more clients. So that, that the gist of that story is a you can go front end or back end, but b um, find a problem and and solve it with a skill. So um, a lot of people might be thinking they don't have a valuable skill yet. That's totally fair. A lot of people don't have a valuable skill. So if, if that's the place where you're at right now, I think it's really important to just take some time to really get good at something. Now that could be podcasting. I, I've got some buddies actually of mine that sell podcasting services to influencers. So. For example, somebody who has a large YouTube following, say they have a million followers on YouTube, maybe they want to expand into the world of podcasting. I've got some buddies that will help them transition from YouTube into a podcast um, and charge them for that with their agency. I've got some buddies who do a PR agency where they write up articles about people. They, they interview them on their show and then afterwards they're like, hey man, so you know, I write articles for um, BuzzFeed or, or Entrepreneur or Bloomberg or whoever. Um, and I can get you written up if you want. So they'll sell those kind of services. Um, I sell social media marketing services. You can sell any kind of services to a guest, um, but that has been the most effective business model that I have found um, and, and the one that I tend to teach most often. That was huge. If you, for all the <laughs> listeners, if you missed that at all, rewind, because I know I'm going to listen to that 100 times over. That is definitely something I'm going to take into mind going forward with my podcast. Um, did you sort of hit the ground running with this or did you have to build like, did you have to work for free is what I'm going to try and say did to build that initial portfolio? Or was it just that one client that enabled you to, to sort of go forward and build from there? Yeah. So it was kind of just that one client. And the reason for that was I'd already built a lot of rapport with a decent amount of influencers through the Instagram work that I was doing. So I already had people that I was doing social media stuff for 
who, who knew I, I had a marketing skill set. So I leveraged those relationships, but also what I did, which I, I would recommend you guys do, is put together one put together um, like a mock portfolio. Like if you're, if you're, I don't know, building websites, like build some, some sample websites, like either find people to build them for free for, or just like build them on some random subject. Okay. Like build one for like Joe's tree farm and just like build Joe's tree farm a website, even though it doesn't exist, just like build that to have like samples in your portfolio so people can actually look through things. Also what I'd recommend you do is have some kind of um, referral program. So if you interview a guest, and say they don't need your services, but tell them, hey, if you know somebody who, who does need this, or you still know somebody who, who you think might need this, um, feel free to send them my way, and I'll cut you 20% of whatever deal we do, or 25%, or 15%. That's gonna encourage them, to, even if they don't need it themselves, they'll be like, oh, I've got a friend who actually needs some PR work done. Like, I'll send her your way, um, because they wanna get that commission. So. That, that's another way to, to incentivize people to, to drive traffic your way, but that doesn't really work as well unless you have some kind of portfolio put together. So what I, what I do is after the podcast, um, while we're still like chatting on, on the Zoom call after the recording stuff, I'll tell them about what I do. I'll, 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 tell them, yeah, I'll tell them about what I do. And then afterwards, I'll have a VA go out and we can talk about VAs. VAs have literally saved my life. Um, so, so I have a VA go out and send them uh, a portfolio of, of work that I've done for past clients and um, lets, the, lets them know basically what to do if they do want to work with me or if they know someone who wants to work with me. So um, that's, that's generally how my workflow goes for that. So you say VA has saved your life. Oh yeah, man. Oh my gosh. VA. So for y'all that don't know, VA stands for virtual assistant. And um, my, my team of virtual assistants is, is, is crazy, man. Like there are so many things that we do in our businesses, in our podcasts, that are, that are so monotonous. So we do them on a regular basis. We're doing the same thing. We're sending the same emails to the different people. We're, we're, we're posting this, the different things on Instagram at the same time in the same way or whatever. Like there's so many routine things that we do that you could easily, easily outsource to someone else who could do it at a far, far cheaper rate than what your time is worth. So I've got VAs working for me um, at between two and $4 an hour. And that's not because I'm, I'm paying them like dirt money. Like, no, it's not, it's not, it's not like that at all. Like the reason why I can hire people for that cheaply is because the cost of living in different places is, is ridiculously different. Like in the Philippines, it costs a lot less to, to support yourself than it does in the United States. Therefore, like economically, it makes a lot of sense to outsource your stuff to people in different countries because they're making enough money to, to live a good life. I'm paying them enough money where it's not like tearing my business apart and, and everyone is winning. So I, I started outsourcing stuff probably definitely a little under a year ago now, but um, that's been, that's been one of the, like, it's been huge man. like literally night and day in, in just allowing me to scale because I was just doing all these monotonous things over and over again that, I mean, they needed to get done. Like emails had to be sent and, 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 like promotional material had to be created for my podcast and the podcast had to get edited and the podcast had to get published and distributed and the show notes had to get written and titles had to get written and everything needed to happen. And I was doing all this stuff and it was taking too much time, man. I was trying to put out a podcast episode every single day and it was killing me. So that is when I was like, man, I'm at wit's end. I've got to get a podcast editor. So I found a podcast editor overseas um, through a VA website. 
um, that I that I use. And then from there, um, basically What's just like, cool? oh yeah. So the website's called onlinejobs.ph. Um, it's kind of like Upwork, but only for the Philippines. Um, it, it's a good place to start. Um, I think it's I think it's definitely a good place to start. Um, it costs I think it costs like seventy dollars to um to sign up for the site and then you get to use it unlimited um they don't take any fees or anything you can pay the person directly so i'd recommend probably starting there um but eventually you just want to get to a place where you can find people via word of mouth i i got one person off that website um and then all the other vas that have hired have been through word of mouth so um that's that's the place where i want to be in um I want to do you guys a little favor as well for, for anyone listening to the show right now. Um, I have a podcast editing VA that um, wants a little bit more business. So if any of you guys are starting a podcast, thinking of starting one, um, feel free to contact me um, either on Instagram. Um, you can shoot me an email, apple at applecreator.com. Um, and I'd be happy to hook up any any of your listeners with her. Um, send, send them her details just so they don't have to drop 70 bucks signing up for that website. Um, because I mean, she's already trained too. Cause that's one of the big things guys, when you're hiring a VA, um, training them is, is, is one of the most important things because the thing about VAs is like, they don't want to be the ones to make creative decisions for your business. They want to have a clear blueprint. Like they want you to give them a clear blueprint of what you want them to do, uh, what a good job looks like, like how, how can they be successful? What do they need to do to be successful? lay that out very clearly and everyone's going to have a good time. If you make it unclear on what you're expecting from them or what you want them to do or how they should do it, that's where things start to get messy because they don't know how to do a good job um, and, and you haven't clearly explained what you want from them. So that's when the miscommunication kicks in um, and that's when things start to not go great. One of the biggest mistakes that I made early on was I was hiring people. I was expecting my VA to do stuff that I didn't even know how to do. I was just like, man, I should start doing this or that or the other thing. Like, can you, can you just pick that up for me? And they would be like, I mean, yes, like, like do you have any more instructions on that? And I'm like, not really. Do you, do you know how to do it? And they're like, maybe. <laughs> so I was just like giving them all this stuff that I didn't even, I didn't know how to do it myself, so I had no way to explain it to them. Any VA that you hire, you always want to give them an SOP. SOP stands for standard operating procedures. So you always want to tell them exactly how to do the thing so they can just keep on doing it um, without having to sort of make creative decisions for your business. Because again, that is what you should be doing. Um, you should be handing them the task and be like, okay, this is how you do the thing, go do the thing. Like not um, let's can you go figure out how we can do this thing? Like, like make sure it's very clear to them what you want, what you're expecting and, and what a good job looks like. Um, so, so that, that can kind of take a while, which is, which is another reason why um, I'd recommend um, hiring via word of mouth eventually, because it, it's tough to have to retrain people every time. Eventually you just want to find people who already know how to do the thing and then hire those people. Awesome. Um, you recently started public speaking. Yeah. By saying that, uh, public speaking is always something I wanted to do. I'm really interested in it. Um, love speaking to people. Would love to go eventually on stage, just talking to thousands of people. That's what I'd love to do. Um, how have you done that? How have you found that transition of obviously being behind a microphone to then actually then going up on stage, talking to physical people in front of you? Have yeah, you? it's... It's really, man, it's a shift because a lot of times we get, we get desensitized to, to the numbers of things. Like when I see that 
hundreds of thousands of people have listened to my podcast. Like I have no way to comprehend how many people that is. Like it just goes right on over my head. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just so hard to comprehend what that many people looks like. And like, I was just at Lollapalooza where there were a hundred thousand people there every single day. And like one time I was with my buddy who was a YouTube channel with like hundreds of thousands of subscribers. And I was like, man, look around like this, all these people, this is a small fraction of the total amount of people that have a subscribed to your channel, but be like watched a video on your YouTube channel. Like just think about that for a second. And like, that's, it's, we get so desensitized, man. Instagram, YouTube, like we see people who are getting tens of thousands of, of views or hundreds of thousands of likes or whatever. And it just, it really twists our perception of like what, what real people are like and, and the fact that we're actually impacting real people with our message. So I think public speaking has really helped me get back to realizing that like standing in a room and speaking in front of a couple hundred people, like that's crazy, man. You can really feel yeah. You're impacting people. Whereas with a podcast, sometimes somebody might only get like a hundred downloads and they're like, oh man, I didn't really, I didn't really reach anybody with this because I see other people reaching like millions of people. And it's like you'd think about if you were in a room every single day speaking in front of a hundred people. people. Yeah. yeah. Like that's a real impact that you're having there. So I think it's really important. And there's like there's a website that I was on recently that's like if you just Google like visualizing like audience sizes, um, you can probably find it, but it, it's a really good tool for like being able to, to put a picture to like how many people like 10,000 people is or like a thousand people is. If you get a thousand people to like listen to your podcast, like visualizing what a thousand people actually means, it, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, it, it brings you back to like reality and it brings you out of like the social media world for a second where, where people are numbers, like people are people. And, and I think it's really important to, to come back to that. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Um, so I've got some quick questions to round off the show. I've yeah. basically got a question bank in my notepad that I will go through different questions with every single person I interview. So I've picked out Wait. a few for you. Um, one I am going to ask everyone is, okay. how do you define the word success? What does success mean to you? Oh, Dude, that's, I've been thinking a lot about that question lately because one of my past podcast guests told me that a really, a really valuable thing is to start setting non-monetary goals. And I thought that was really important. Like one of the questions he asked himself is like, how many times did I jump in the ocean this year? Or like, how many times did I make someone smile today? And like, those are, that's those are the one. things. That's yeah, it. like, yeah, that's like, and I, I haven't been setting my goals like that. Like I'm very guilty of like only setting like business like super like business based goals so i think it's i'm i'm really trying to to establish that for myself and sort of un, unwind the 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 connection that has been molded in my brain oh, yeah. between between business and success so i for me success and like my overarching goal that i that i always come back to is that i am going to empower a hundred thousand young people to live a life that makes them feel fulfilled and empowered um every single day so that's that's what i'm going to do so that's that's my sort of definition of success um but i'm, I'm still i'm still working on on incorporating non-monetary goals into my life and, and making those an important sort of aspect of, of who i am and what i'm trying to do as well no, that's really good. Um, something that relates to actual show name is do you is, do you journal or keep a diary or anything? Because I think it'd be really it's really good to like say throughout the week you 
sit down at the end of the day, just go through what you've done, make a few notes, and then get to the end of the week, look back and be like, oh, okay. And then you can reflect. Is that something yeah. that you do? Yeah. So I actually just, I was looking around for it. I bought it. I bought a planner, a new planner today because my old one ran out um, in the month of August. So I just bought a new one today, but basically what I do, I don't really take notes throughout the day. I mostly take notes um, at the end of the day. So I'll always, there's a Jim Rohn quote that I live by that says, never start your day until it's finished. And what he means yeah. by that is, is never, never go into a day without having a, a clear plan for what you're going to do that day. So the night before, I'm always making a clear plan. Um, and what I do, my ritual is I set three um, sort of key goals for that day. Um, a lot of people will make like a checklist of like 30 things. That just doesn't work for me. I prefer to pick three things that will really move the needle. And I know if I can get these three things done, the day will be a success and I will have moved forward in whatever I'm trying to move forward in at that point. So I set my three things that I want to do. I set one thing that I want to avoid. Um, and then what I do is I sort of chunk out my day in like 30 minute, 30 minute segments. Um, just to plan out where I'm going to be, what I'm going to be doing throughout the day so that I don't have to wake up and be like, oh, well, here are my goals. What should I do now? I just have that plan so that I know I wake up, I'm going to do this, then this, then this, then this. Um, and I've just got that all laid out for me. So I don't really, I don't really, like I used to be more into the practice of journaling and, and, and sort of at the end of the day, I would write down a couple of things and I might get back into that. I, I, I think I will. Um, because it, it's good, it's good to remember each day, uh, because we only have so many. So it's like, it's, it's, good to, it's good to keep track of those things. So yeah, I, I don't, I've fallen out of practice of doing that. Um, but, but the ritual that I do have is, is yeah, making a three, three item checklist and, um, and blocking out my day. That's massive. I might have to start doing that myself. <laughs> Obviously going to bed than, than waking up, knowing what you actually need to do with your day is huge. Exactly. Sets you up. So moving on, I've. I feel that nowadays social media is glamorizing entrepreneurship. We only really see the highlight reel. Yeah. So obviously that is what people want to see, but something I'm really interested in is the actual journey and we don't see the worst days. Mm. So if you could pick out one day, if you don't mind, what has been one of your hardest days in your business journey so far? Oh man. That's, that's really tough. So, I mean, hmm, today, today, today wasn't like one of the worst days, but I did have a business partner who made a very, very bad decision today. So like, there's, there's stuff like that. That's just kind of like, not super within my hands, but yeah, I mean, the worst, the worst experiences for me are when I am when I drop the ball, like I feel, I feel like really, I get like really into my work and I'm, I'm somebody who's either all in or all out. So I, I go all in with the things that I do. And when I go all in and I'm still not able, able to deliver at the level that I want to deliver at, like that is when I get really, um, that's, yeah, that's, that's when, that's, that, that's when I don't feel so great is like when I gave it my all, but then it still didn't work out. And like, I see a lot of people like, really afraid for that to happen like they're afraid to like go all out and have it not work so they'll they'll half-ass things like they'll they'll go half in on everything they're afraid they're like man well if i give this my everything and it failed like i don't know what i would do but if, if i just give it like half of what i've gotten it fails then like i don't have to worry about like was it me or like 
maybe I still would have been able to do that if I actually tried. So like, I, I think that's one of the hardest things to do is to go all out on something and then to fail. So I would encourage people to, to really, to really give your all to things and, and don't be afraid to give it your all and fail because that's when you're going to learn the most. That's when it's going to hurt the most, but that's when you're going to learn the most. No, I love that. So everyone go all in, don't go half ass because it only, and it, it, it shows um, yeah. if someone's going to be looking at your product and you've gone half ass, they're going to realize yeah. it's half assed. Yeah. Um, finally, one thing I think a lot of people are afraid to talk about is relationships. Mm. As you're, entrepreneurial journey jeopardized your relationship with a significant other family close friends or have you managed to find a way to actually bring these people along with you on your journey bro it's difficult (laughs) (laughs) that's why i like asking people because they everyone has a different answer yeah man um so yeah so i've been for for background context i've been in a long-term committed serious relationship um with my girlfriend for over three years now, over three and a half years now. Um, so it's been a long time. And yeah, it's been tough because like, I'll, I, I travel a fair bit now and my life is very unpredictable and I don't always know where I'm going to be. And that's like really, really tough because we've been long distance now for like two years, man, because we go to different schools. Um, we went to the same high school, we go to different colleges. So it's, it's really tough to have that unpredictability and to not really know, like, I don't even, I can't even give her like a, a definitive like end point of like when we'll stop, we, we won't have to like be long-term anymore because like I have no idea what, what's coming in my future. So that's, man, that's one of the hardest things. And it's, it's all about investing time into the different pillars of your life because man, looking at looking at the five biggest regrets of 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 the dying of of people who are dying who are on their deathbed like that stuff is telling and nobody ever said on their deathbed i wish i worked more man nobody ever (laughs) said that and it's it's tough though because like when you like what you do so much and and when it's fulfilling and when you when you really see results from it like it's tough to, to take a step back but I mean, man, the biggest regrets that people have are like, I wish I spent more time with my loved ones. I wish I worked less. I wish I invested more into relationships, man. Those are the things that are going to give you long-term fulfillment. So it's important to, to bring yourself back to those things. And yes, there is a time and place where relationships might have to sit on the back burner for a little bit, but you just have to, you really have to think about like long-term, what am I going to regret more? Am I going to regret like messing up this relationship or am I going to regret like missing out on this one business opportunity like and that's going to be a different answer for everyone because different people have different priorities and I'm no one to tell you what your priorities should and shouldn't be but I just think that you got to take some time to reflect on that and I think looking at the regrets of people who are literally on their deathbeds is a really really insightful thing because those are the people who have lived an entire lifetime they've had the ups they've had the downs they've had the experiences and, and those are the people who, who I think are going to have, have the most wisdom when it comes to like how you should be prioritizing your time or like how it might be smart to do so. So that's, that's my two cents on that. But yeah, man, it, it can be tough. It can be tough for sure. That's you. And thank you for being so honest with that answer. Cause obviously yeah, sure. I know people will feel quite uncomfortable talking about those sort of things, but I think a lot of people will be able to resonate with that and really take something from it. I hope so, so that sort of rounds up all of my questions and I really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah. Um, where can people follow up with you? Yeah. So, I mean, the best place to do so 
is probably that free podcasting mastermind that I mentioned. Um, that's where I'm most active. If you ask me any podcasting questions, that is going to be the place where I answer them. Um, so again, that's just www.podcasting.group. Um, super, super simple to find. It's just housed on Facebook, free group. Um, just request to join and I'll get you added in. I got about 300 podcasters in there at the moment and it is popping as anything. Um, but if you have any, if you have anything that you want to send me privately, um, hit me up on Instagram, um, at Apple Crater official, or, uh, I got a bunch of freebies on my website, applecrater.com that you can check out, um, as well. But that's, that's pretty much the best place to find me. There we do. There we go, guys. Get in the Facebook group. Can't recommend it more. <laughs> that everyone in there is extremely motivated, very active. Everyone's there to help each other. Apple comments on every single post. And I can, <laughs> I can vouch for that because he's commented on mine. So get in the show. And Apple, once again, thank you very much, man. It's been a pleasure, Ethan. I just wanted to thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I'll leave all the relevant links mentioned in the show notes below. That's going to include the guests on my own Instagram handle where you can reach out to us with any questions you may have. In the show notes will also be any useful resources the guest or myself may have mentioned throughout the episode, so definitely check those out. I'd really appreciate it if you hit the subscribe button. It's only going to take a couple of seconds. If you do, it means you're going to be notified whenever I post a new episode. I'd also love if you could leave your thoughts in the rating and review section. I'm going to be reading all of these and it will help me understand what all of you are actually interested in. Leaving a rating and review will also help the podcast reach even more people, which only means better guests for all you listeners. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and thank you again for listening to CEO Journals.